Welcome to the Joy Venture Podcast, a show where dreamers and doers share stories of discovering, developing, and spreading their joy with the world. I'm your host, Jeremy Slagle, along with Thad Devassi. In this episode, Thad and I visit Kettering, Ohio, to sit down with Jessica Berry, president and owner of the Modern College of Design, in their brand new facilities with a brand new name. Jessica set out to be a graphic designer. Little did she know, the path ahead would lead her on an unexpected journey full of twists, turns, and teachable moments, back to the place where it all started. This is the Joy Venture Podcast with Jessica Berry. Thanks for inviting us to your awesome new school. Well, thank you. I'm glad you're here. It's not really a new school. It's a, ah. new, it's a new building in your school. And it's a new school, or a, not a new school, with a new name. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, but it's just beautiful. I had an opportunity to come out. Uh, when was your opening that you had? That in March. In March. Came out and brought my son out with me. Yeah, I love that. And it was packed, and it was great to see people here uh, filling out your new space. It's beautiful. Seeing students and people in the community use the space has been extremely gratifying for me. That's because great. you work for, you guys know, you work for years designing these types of spaces. And to see it come to fruition and then actually see it in use has been really rewarding. That's great. Well, I, um, I came out and spoke a few years ago when it was the, older, the smaller facility that you're still using, but mm-hmm. on the other side over there. Uh, and the difference is amazing. And, and I even have a deeper perspective on that because in 1995, I came to visit the School of Advertising. So did I. We might have crossed paths. Yes, we might have. <laughs> right. Uh, and I was a really nervous recent high school graduate with a bunch of drawings I had done. And I came out to meet with, I think it may have been Tim Potter, it may have been some other folks that were with the school at the time, and showed my portfolio. And I was so nervous. I oh, remember I was terrified. <laughs> my, my mom, I remember coming out here with my mom, and just it was just the two of us. And she knew that. So like we stopped, uh, we got out here early. So we made sure we were, I wasn't going to panic about being late. And then we, we went out to like, we got some breakfast or something like that. And she just was saying, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then doing my portfolio review was awesome. And then I think it was a week or so later, they contacted me and said, we want to offer you a scholarship. And I was just blown away. Wow. I didn't get a scholarship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably based a lot on need at the time too. We were, we needed it, uh, but it, it, that's fine. It was, it was. I was so excited to find a place that was a small, and B was interested in having me because I could draw. Like that to me was so amazing that someone was going to offer me a scholarship and that I could actually go to college and make stuff look cool and, and draw it was totally different it was totally different that's what i think i liked about it so i was a pretty good student all through school you know not the valedictorian of my class but a pretty good student and so i i think i was expected to go to a traditional type of public or private college or university so my parents and i when we came for our visit um to then the school of advertising art um, this was our last visit of like five and they had all been large public or private institutions. And I remember my parents looking at me as we were walking down the hallway to Tim Potter's office, like, what is this? You know, it was just so different and so much smaller, uh, than anything we had done at that point. And my interview went really well too. And I think I found out like a week later that I'd been accepted and, and I think they were still just sort of, being cautious the whole time because you know when we were interviewing at the school of advertising i, I think they were in year 11 you know wow. so they were relatively new too yeah. um there were about 35 students i think in our class um so it was just such a different type of environment luckily my parents are extremely supportive and open-minded um so they supported me through it but i you know i could see by the look on their faces like this is totally different than anything else. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is totally different than anything else. Let's go. Well, you know? and not to mention at the time, they didn't have their own 
building. They were no. sharing it with a ballet school at the time. Dayton Ballet, Alexandria, Montessori School. So you had like pre-K through eighth grade, English as a second language school, a driving school. Oh, it was it was basically an old elementary school that they were then leasing out classrooms. So when I started at the School of Advertising Art, um, I think they were maybe leasing three classrooms at that point. Yeah, I, I just one remember. One for first year, one for second year, and then a computer lab. Yeah, I yeah. remember walking past... Uh, yeah, rooms with mirrors and ballet students and people in tutus. Oh, yeah. Like thinking, what is this place? Yeah, we would be in class and like first and second graders would come in and try to sell us like cookies and magazines and stuff. You know, like <laughs> it was just, it was a very eclectic environment. Um, but we all loved it. Yeah. We just absolutely loved it. I was totally drawn to it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't look any further. Like once I yeah, visited once I SA, came here, I, was like, I knew it was it. This is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was the same way. How? So you, you, this this was the last of four or five college mm-hmm. visits, and you're going into an old elementary school building, <laughs> and you're and I'm just trying to think from your parents' perspective. Like right. we are going to pay tuition to send her to a building that's being co-opted with a driving school and a ballet and a Montessori school. <laughs> yeah. What was it that? Because having gone to the, the other schools and seeing the traditional college experience and this being nothing like that, what was it that said, this is right for me, let's go? Uh, I think it's what Jeremy said about being able to go to school and drawing all day, (laughs) you know, most of your education being focused on art um, and the quality of the student work. So I actually... I was introduced to SAA um, when I was an eighth grader. So I was in study hall one day at Versailles High School, which is a very small school, and a recruiter had come to visit the school. And my art teacher pulled me out and said, hey, there's somebody here that I want you to meet. And so I had been receiving communications from SAA since I was 13. Wow. And they would, it was always based on student work. So for sure. years, I had been seeing this amazing student work that was being created here. And I wanted to do that. And yeah. I thought, you know, I am a talented artist, but I'm not the most talented artist. Yeah. I, but I think they could get me where I want to be. Yeah. So, it, I mean, there was a long lead up. It wasn't, it wasn't a shock for you to come and see how school was being presented. It was about what you're going to get out of school. Yeah. I actually, I would say until I visited, I had no idea what the campus was like. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a shock when we visited the first time. But like you said, it it really wasn't about the campus for me. It was about what I was going to learn and the work I would be able to create. Now now that the shoe's on the other foot. And and you're, you're not the student, but you are now the administrator who knows that there are parents like your parents that are saying, what are we doing? This isn't, um, right now, this isn't the four-year degree that I've always expected my child to come get. How do you, I mean, this building is beautiful and what you've done with it. I, I didn't have the, the perspective that you and Jeremy have uh, to have seen what it was like before. Mm-hmm. But even over the years, how have you had to work to demystify or, or, or break down those biases that are inherent in parents like your parents that at least were open-minded to let you go. Right. Talk about that. Sure. Um, this is what we do every single day. <laughs> um, and it's completely normal and completely fine that people question this. I, yeah. to- I totally get it because it is very unique. Um, I think what, and and parents, I would say today, compared to even 10 years ago, um, I I think understand this much more, but helping a parent understand that design is everywhere. And once you start making them aware of what a designer does and how much work goes into every piece of communications in our in our world, um, they start to gain an understanding of how important it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with, we're, you know, we're now in our 35th year, so we have lots of alumni. So we have lots of stories of people that are just like their son or daughter, um, that knew they wanted to do something art-related, but didn't really know what that meant. You know, didn't, you know, they might not see themselves as a fine artist or a painter or someone that's gonna be selling their work. Yeah. 
but they want to find a place that they can use their artistic skills and be creative. Um, I think once they find design, it's a, a great avenue. Um, and once their parents understand that avenue, then it's, they start to come around sure. and they start to say, and, you know, and I've had parents, you know, especially at a, an open house, which we do those quarterly and, and those are just open to anybody that wants to come. That's usually when I talk to parents most. And, you know, I've had, I've had parents in my presentation that have tears in their eyes at the end and come up and I get teary talking about it um, that say, I have been discouraging my child for the last five years saying, you can't do this. There's no way you can make a living doing this. Mm -hmm. And you are the first person that has been able to help me understand that there are possibilities for my child and that they will live a happy life and have a career that they love um, based on this industry. Mm -hmm. And that's such a compliment um, to what we do. Um, and I love being that person. I, I think that's, I think everyone in the faculty and staff at The Modern, when we're working in a recruiting capacity, we love being that first person that has said, you can do this, yeah. you know? And we're, we're like an advocate for that student, for this career, um, and we really enjoy that role. Um, and then it's, you know, it's great to run into a grad who's been out for 10 years or three years and is living this life that they always dreamed of. and. And they're doing it, you know, it might be on the West Coast, it may be here in Dayton, it may be, you know, it's everywhere. Um, I think that uh, that's probably the most rewarding part of what we do. Yeah. We, the, the conscious decision, you, you're 35 years old here at the school, um, the rebrand. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of equity. Oh we, we, we talk about this all the time and what Jeremy and I do, and occasionally we're discouraging people not to rebrand, and other times it makes sense to. And um, when you have an entity that's known as yours is in the, the precise field that you're in, just hearing you talk about art, and I think that um, my, my father went started at Ohio State, ended up going to art school to finish. And the for me, it was, you're not going to art school, right? Mm -hmm. I did it, but you're not doing it. And so I joke with Jeremy all the time, and it's, I think it's why we're such good friends and we work well together. I'm the art school kid that wasn't allowed to go to art school. Right. Um, and so my art education is experiential and, and vicariously through others, but I think it's that word art that has this um, – stigma to it as as it as as you tie it to profession mm -hmm. um and and we get all these cliches of the starving artist and then you can't make you can't um, be a professional artist or whatever else and so talk a little bit about the 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 conscious decision to say we're going to change the brand altogether to something that you, you mentioned earlier this idea of design which feels more industry related which feels more um um accessible in, in in a modern economy um, and has job prospects attached to it that maybe allows parents to think, to your point, I can now see where the prospects are here. Talk a little bit about how you guys came to that conclusion that we're going to walk away from all the equity we have in SAA to do right. something different. Yeah, it was a really hard decision. Um, we've been considering the decision for at least a decade. Um, and it really started with, we have a really close relationship with the high school teachers um, in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, in our region. Um, they help us identify students. And so some of the teachers that we respect most said, you know, I think you really need to think about your name. I think that students don't understand what you do because your name doesn't clearly describe you anymore you know when the school was founded 35 years ago and really when I was here at year 11 um, we were creating art for advertising mm. you know we were creating a lot of advertise or a lot of illustration that would then be used in a poster or a book cover and and it really was it was a clear description um, but as the college has evolved and has technology and our industry has evolved really design is what um, describes us best and, and what our students do. And the term 
advertising is a very small portion now of what we do. It's still important. Um, it's not where all of our grads work after graduation. You know, some may go to an advertising agency, but many of them are in branding firms or design firms. Um, and so we started thinking about, you know, if we want to make sure that we are clearly representing ourselves to new students, how would we best do that? And we said, design has to be in the name, right? Um, we thought that art could be in the name too. A lot of schools are school of art and design, um, but we really felt that moving forward, we wanted students to be clear that if you come here, this isn't a fine art school. You know, we, we say that to students all the time. Um, you may take fine art classes here, but we don't want you to have, um, you, we don't want there to be a misconception out there that you're gonna come here and be a fine artist after you graduate. And we felt that this name did that, got away from that. Um, we also love the term modern in it. So one of the things that we really pride ourselves in is continually adapting the curriculum to evolve with the industry and technology. And so we, we wanted that to be a part of our brand and who we are. Um, that's what employers really appreciate about us. And I think that students like that about us too, is that even if you start here in first year, the curriculum that you take in your second year is probably not the curriculum that the second years are just finishing up right now. <laughs> so, and, and students love that about it. Um, so, so we just finally made a conscious decision that, you know, all of us here at the modern are in this for the long term. Right. And and we see ourselves. We didn't start this college. You know, our founder hasn't Tim Potter has now retired, you know, and, and has moved on. And so we feel that we are the leaders of this generation that are leading the college. And someday we're going to turn it over to the next generation and it's going to live on. So if we could make a positive impact on the future by making this change now, yeah, it might, it might take us some time to rebuild some of that brand equity, um, but we felt that that was the best decision for the future of the college. Yeah. Um, driving down here from over here from Columbus, yeah. you're in suburban Dayton. Yes. It, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that I was joking with Jeremy on the way down that, you know, when I think of, when we think of, um, I'm going to go to design school, go to art, art school. You know, the, the names that come off the top of my head are like Rhode Island School of Design or, you, you know, Parsons or Pratt or whatever. And, and, and so there's this built-in um, stigma that, well, if you're going to go to art school, you're going to go someplace that is very cosmopolitan and it has a vibrant art scene. And we just drive down here through what looks like, you know, you know, everyday Midwestern suburbia, and then boink, there, there you are, <laughs> right? right? Um, um, talk about the students that come here um, and where you're pulling from, because this this seems to be, um, I wouldn't expect, and, and as your brand changes, you know, the modern college of design, I, I don't think I would expect it to be in Kettering, Ohio, outside of Dayton, right? So yep. um, talk a little bit about that between not only the challenges, but then the benefits that of like, again, we're chattering stereotypes and doing things differently. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, that's great. And actually, no one's asked me that. And it's a great question. Um, I think that especially now with this generation of students, this is the perfect environment for them and it is the perfect environment for their parents. So the, the students that are attending the Modern College of Design want, and their parents want, a safe and comfortable environment. And Kettering definitely provides just that. Um, it's interesting, you know, I, I talked to administrators at the University of Dayton, which is only a 10 minute drive from here. Um, and I asked them the same questions, you know, because they draw students from all over the country and all over the world now. And students are choosing a college because they want to be completely consumed in that campus environment. And so what's outside of that campus environment is not as important to students today as it maybe once was. So the administrators at, at the University of Dayton have said, you know, 
we try to get students to leave our campus, you know, and go out and explore Dayton. You know, there is an art scene in Dayton, and, and there's lots of great things in this area, um, but they love their campus, and that's where they stay, and we find the same thing here. So students want to come in in the morning and just be here with their classmates and with the instructors and be able to use the facilities, and really this is the core of what they do. Now, most of them have part-time jobs outside of this, and so that's why this area is great, too. There's lots of small businesses and retail and things, you know, and the employers in this area know us really well, and they know that we have, you know, a strict acceptance policy and attendance policy and all these things, so they know that our students are very responsible, and so there's lots of opportunities from a job perspective, too. Um, the industry, the design industry in this area is really strong as well. Um, so that works for us very well when it comes to internships and part-time jobs in the industry. So that's been great. But, um, yeah, we are not the urban environment. Um, <laughs> and we do, I would say we do lose some students because of that. Sure. You know, and we have a strict admissions policy, too, where – I would say 99% of our prospective students visit the school before they enroll um, because we want them to see this. You know, we want them to drive in through the cornfields to get here um, to make sure that this is really what they want um, because it is very small. Um, you know, we don't have fraternities and sororities and all these, these things that you may be looking for in a larger school, um, but that's not necessarily what all students are looking for these days. So you, you graduated in 97? I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. That would have been the same class I would have been in. Yep. Um, so clearly you graduated in 1997 and your first thought was, I want to run this place someday. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, no that's not it? <laughs> no. Okay. So, so help explain how that ended up, how, how you ended up on that journey to discovering that that was, what road led you back here and how did that all work? Sure. So I would say when I was a student, I didn't think of running the place. I did think about working here, though. There was an instructor who I really connected with, um, who I aspire to be like. And so I remember looking at her and thinking, I'd love to do that job someday. Mm. Uh, but didn't really probably think about it much after that, after I left. So when I graduated in 97, um, I was fortunate. I had had an internship during my second year, kind of on and off, and they hired me as a full-time designer here in Dayton after graduation. So so I worked in Dayton for a few years, and then one of my friends encouraged me to interview for a job in Cincinnati, and so I moved there, and I lived there for about seven or eight years. And I was freelancing with a, with a design firm, and the design firm was owned by an SAA grad, and there were lots of SAA grads on their staff. And I was there one day on a Friday picking up work for a freelance project, and they said, hey, you're an SAA grad. You know, we're all going to the portfolio show, you know, which is now called Reveal. And uh, they said, you should come with us. They said, it's during lunch. And I was making every excuse possible not to go, right? I was like, oh, I'm not dressed up. I have something to do this afternoon. And all, it was just all excuses. But I just hadn't been back for a while, you know? And, and so they finally talked me into it. And so I came for lunch and the modern college of design had moved you know we had gone from leasing space um in an old elementary school to our campus now on 1725 east david road and it just it had evolved so much in the seven years since i had graduated um i walked through the portfolio show and thought these students could work anywhere and I was talking to someone the other day about this, and I really think that that's what inspired me to come back because I felt when I graduated from then the School of Advertising Art, they were in their 11th year. They were just developing relationships with employers. Uh, they were still refining curriculum at that point where, you know, at year almost 20, uh, they had a reputation, you know, and the students really were interviewing all over the country and, and doing what they wanted to do. And I just thought there is so much more potential here. You know, if, if we keep getting great instructors and hiring really supportive staff members and we start recruiting from a larger area, um, these students could go anywhere. Um, and I just, I left that day and thought, I just cannot believe how much this place has improved. And I just kept thinking about it. And uh, about 
three months later, uh, one of the vice presidents at the time called me and said, hey, we've been talking about you a lot since you left. And I thought, I've been thinking a lot about you too. And they said, we have, they said, this might sound crazy. They said, but we have a recruiting position available um, and we'd like for you to interview. And my first inclination was, absolutely not. You know, I'm, I'm a designer. I'm not a recruiter, you know. Um, this is what I went to school for. And and he said, you know, there may be some opportunities for you to design materials for the college. So we may be able to develop something where you could still utilize your design skills. So I came in and interviewed, and I did not know what I was walking into. It was like a panel interview with the founder and the vice presidents. And they're asking me questions like, how do you identify with high school students? And I'm thinking, I've never thought about that before. <laughs> and so I walked out that day and thought, that did not go well. <laughs> and and uh, about a week later, they called me with an offer. And I remember I went back and talked to my friends and said, I think if I take this, this is just the end of my design you know, career. I'm not going to be designing every day. I'm never going to be able to keep up. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel like I need to do it. And my friends just kept saying, you know, just try it. You know, I was accepting the job in February and the recruiting season only really lasts through May because then students are out for the summer. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try it for three months. And then if this isn't for me, I can always go back to freelancing. So um, I took the recruiting job and absolutely loved it. I, you know, I was in the Cincinnati market. I would go to a different high school every day and I would meet the teacher who is a designer or an artist themselves develop a relationship with that person, which was really fun. Um, and then I would meet with groups of aspiring artists and designers and just tell them about what the school has to offer, what the industry is like, show them examples of our student work. And I was shocked at how excited the students were about the program. So I really gained a lot of understanding of where students were at that time um, because technology had become a big part of being an artist since I had been in school an even bigger part um, and they were really interested in the in the technology side too so um, so I was a recruiter that year and then that summer I designed all the materials for the school that next year which was also a lot of fun and that's you know as a designer that's your dream job to design all the marketing for your alma mater and it's a lot of fun so I did that and then about a year and a half into my career here at the Modern, um, I interviewed for the director of admissions position, and I became the director of admissions. And then I was promoted to creative director, so I was developing the marketing strategy along with one of my coworkers, Matt Flick. Um, and then about year three, um, the founder of the college, Tim Potter, was looking to retire in the next few years and was looking for that next person who would continue the legacy that he had created. And one year after school had let out for the summer, he came into my office and sat down and said, I see you as the future leader of the college. I'm willing to mentor you for as long as it takes to get you up to speed. Uh, but I think you have the skills and the ability to do a really great job. And, you know, I literally, I'm like looking around like, is he talking to me? <laughs> um, but um, I took him up on that. Um, and that began in 2007. So I was named president in 2007. Um, he retired in 2009. So I had a couple good years with him. Um, his wife, Linda Potter, was also an employee of the school. And she actually stayed all the way to 2013 um, when I eventually purchased the college. So after I had been president then, um, I then went to the founder and his wife and said, you know, if you're looking for an exit, um, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but um, I'd like to consider um, actually purchasing the college. And I know that probably sounds crazy because most people don't purchase a college, um, but a college of our size, that is um, what happens. And so it took me four years to get through that process. Um, I had to be vetted as an owner by the U.S. Department of Education because we participate in Title IV student loan programs. So that was a long process, and it was probably a good process for me because it made me really reflect on who I am um, as the leader of the college. Um, but then, so I purchased it in 2013 um, and started having sort of full reign on the strategic vision, um, and that has been incredible because that's when we started really thinking about 
the branding change and the name change and our facilities and and now we're working on exclusive student housing and and so that's when we were really start able to start making some of those strategic decisions the kid that comes to design school right that wants to be a designer that then becomes a recruiter and then almost backs into leadership right <laughs> people want people want to be like the leader of an institution and an organization. I mean, they, they aspire to this. They work hard to get there. And it just like, this sort of like kind of backslides into your lap and then you buy the school. So this is a completely different trajectory from what you thought. And I think this is the, the, the part that Jeremy and I talk a lot about with Joy Venture is, is this never stop discovering aspect, right? If we come into it thinking, on it, I'm a designer and I'm going to design. And this is what I do and this is who I am. And no, I'm not going to take this risk or that chance because this is who I am. And in some aspects, that's okay. What point were you, did you, when you knew that, okay, I moved to creative director and, but at some point, the active part of designing is getting further into the rearview mirror and how did you come to reconciliation with I'm moving from a maker into a mentor into a leader how because I'm 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 assuming this probably wasn't the trajectory that you thought you were going to be on and it was very difficult <laughs> and I would say it it would get easier and then it would get more difficult and it was sort of a roller coaster for a little bit um you know i i think i mentioned when i took the job here you know my first inclination was my design skills are going to die here mm -hmm. right because i'm not going to be designing um what i found in those early years when i was recruiting and designing that was a good transition because i was then i still had some freelance clients at that point but i was able to be much more selective in the work that I was doing. Um, and then the work that I created for the school was very creative. I had a lot of time to work on it. So I was, I probably created better work because I wasn't making work every day. And I know I've heard other designers say that, you know, when you do have something that's maybe um, taking you in a slightly different direction when you do make design, it's, it's maybe a little more, more fulfilling um, and it's more exciting. Um, so I think I had a little bit of a transition period then, but there did come a point when I had to say, okay, I'm gonna be designing very little at this point. And I still do have some freelance clients and things I work with. Um, but I think that I finally transitioned into feeling very fulfilled by seeing others achieve greatness in our industry um just at you know i know jeremy and i were just at making midwest and i ran into two of our alumni who i think they both graduated in the same class or maybe a year apart but they're maybe three years in and they're both working full-time in columbus and to see the joy <laughs> on their face of you know they're they're happy in their jobs they're starting families they're, you know, settling into a new community in Columbus that they love. Um, I get just as much satisfaction out of that as I get out of designing now. Um, I still love to design. I still like to make things. But um, I get just as much joy out of that. And like you were saying earlier, these aren't just kids that happen to go through your two-year program. A lot of these kids, like you, were had a first contact very young with your oh, school. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the times you're talking about a six-year engagement. Right. Um, and, you know, when I, when I look at a graduate, I think of their entire story. You know, and some of those stories are very unique, and there's a lot of struggle in those stories. There's a lot of sacrifice that was made by the student and by their families. And because we're still small, you know, our enrollment's just over 200 students right now, um, we really do get to know their families and the students on that level. Um, and I think that that's what's most incredible to me. You know, especially at graduation, I know Jeremy was at graduation this year, you know, every student as they're walking across that stage and I'm handing them the degree or when I'm signing their degrees in my office before the ceremony, like I'm thinking about every struggle that those students went through and then also their victories, you know, all the things that they were able to accomplish here. Um, and I get 
I get more joy out of that probably than I do out of designing something for a client now. So, uh, I'm, I don't mean to be the killjoy, <laughs> but I'll, okay. I'll ask this question because I, I, you know, Jeremy and I do work for other institutions, colleges, um, branding type work, messaging. And we know that like the retention rate of, um, and we're talking for your schools are, you know, the average retention rate nationwide is something like 78% after freshman year. Right. Hearing you talk about just the investment of time and how you get to know people, um, how, how do you deal or cope with that student that you've put so much energy into and you've gotten to know them and their family and then they, they get to a point where they're like, I can't do this because I, I, my guess is you probably don't have a hundred percent retention rate. We do not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody does, but I, I mean, I, you know, that that's, that's a struggle point because I can see legitimately the excitement on your face when you talk about the joy that you get in seeing others come to greatness. And when you've said yes to these kids and some of them just aren't going to make it, how, how do you, how do you reconcile with that? Yeah, it is difficult. And they, and when they don't graduate from the program, it's for a couple of different reasons. Um, and some are easier to reconcile than others, I think. Sure. Um, because we offer one major. We do have students that even though they've gone through an extensive admissions process and shown a portfolio and discussed the portfolio, they may get a semester in and say, I really want to be an art teacher. Right, And it's a related field, but we don't offer that type of certification here. And that's kind of heartbreaking because they're leaving and you know they're a great student. They've just changed their mind. So, so that's one part. And that's, that's heartbreaking, but you understand it. At least they, they were able to try this, reflect on it, and make a really good decision for themselves. Right, And so you feel good about that. Um, I would say the students that it's a little harder on us is when, you know, if you're accepted to SAAU or the modern, you have the potential to be successful. And sometimes it's just not the right time in the student's life for this. Um, They still, you know, most of our students are right from high school. So they're 18 years old. Um, They've moved out. They're in a new city. we don't have a dorm right now so they're in an apartment paying their own bills and you know there's there's in a cafeteria i mean there's a lot of so they're not just in college for the first time they're also being an adult for the first time in many cases so sometimes that might just be a little bit too much right now right um some of the most heartbreaking ones are there's been a tragedy in their family or something happens that this just isn't the right time for them um what we hope, and, and we see this quite a bit, is they take a break, right? And that break might be a semester or it might be a couple of years. You know, we're talking to a student right now that um, it's been three years, um, and I think it's the right time now, right? So she's trying to see if she can make it work. Um, but yeah, it is. It's disappointing uh, because we do. We get to know them so well. Um, I always like... I always feel good that when I have a conversation with a parent who's in that spot right now, right? So they've made an investment. Now their child's changed their mind or it's not quite working out. Um, I always feel good that those conversations are usually very respectful conversations, though, that they feel like we really did invest all of our resources and our energy into helping their child and that if it didn't work out, we're still here for them. You know, we're still supporting them even in that transition to either another college or, or to a job. Um, but, yeah, it does happen. We don't have perfect retention. Uh, everybody wishes they did. <laughs> um, but, uh, but we still try to keep those relationships strong with those students as they transition out. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, just to throw this in here, you mentioned that, uh, that I was able to be at your graduation this year. Yeah. And so I've brought my kids out here a couple of times. My son specifically has probably been here three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife, who's really observant, sat through that, um, that program and just leaned over to me and she said, I love this school. Aww. 
she's like, I, she listened to the students, the valedictorian speak. Um, some of the students share their stories. Uh, she watched as the slideshow went and you guys did this really cool thing where you show a photo of the student, like when they first got here and then a, a photo of them two years later when they're graduating. And she just, I mean, she didn't know anybody that was on stage. She didn't know anybody that was graduating and felt very much like emotionally, like this place is really cool. This place is really caring. And as I now have a junior in high school who's looking at colleges and it's something we're starting to think about now, you know, in earnest, that just, it really resonated with her. So I just want you guys to know, like that was uh, your, the way that your students uh, spoke about each other, the way that they talked about their experiences here. You could tell when they'd crack an inside joke and everybody laughed. There's a camaraderie with your students that I haven't seen other places. So, Oh, thank you. And that means a lot to me. Um, I think our graduation ceremony is extremely unique. You know, and I don't think you know, a lot of people, when they come to it for the first time, they say one of the things that's most unique, and I never really thought about this before, but most college graduations, all of the faculty are on the stage, right? And the students come up one by one just to receive their degree. And this has always been this way at the Modern, is all the students are on the stage and the faculty is on the floor. And it's not because we don't value our faculty, but this is a celebration of what they have accomplished, not what we have accomplished. You know, we get a lot out of, we feel a lot of accomplishment at graduation, but this is mainly focused on them. Um, and so I'm glad that your wife felt that way because that is by far my favorite day of the year. Um, every year is a little different. You know, our students are very unique too. And sometimes there's some crazy things that happen at graduation that make each year fun. Um, and sometimes some, some of those valedictorian speeches, some years are just incredible. And the ones this year were really great um, because they, like you said, they just have such strong relationships with the instructors and with their students. And like you caught on, like just those little inside jokes. Like it's so neat to be able to look back at that and say, you know, none of that was there before they attended this college. Yeah. Well, if you think about like Ohio State graduation where they have to get the horseshoe you know, right. and they've got to yeah. fill half a football field, you know, yeah. can you imagine someone up there telling an inside joke in like the quiet that would resound from that? <laughs> yeah. There's just something real intimate and great about having what, how many, a hundred kids? Were yeah. Usually about a hundred students yeah. graduated year. Yeah. Just sitting up there and, and you, some of them were crying in the front. You could see, you know, they would tell a story and someone would be crying and someone else would be, but you could just tell like they all know each other. Yeah. This isn't, when you tell a, an inside joke and everybody on stage laughs, that's there's something different about about that. So yeah, and I have that with my classmates, you know, that I graduated with. We're all still very close, and and uh, so yeah, I can attest to that. You know, I graduated now you know, over 20 years ago, and you know, my class just met up, you know, a couple nights ago. So it's a good sign when that's still happening. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Jeremy and I have been having a discussion lately. Um, there's a, a, a new study out from Stanford that's getting a lot of traction and a lot of media coverage about following your passion is lousy advice, right? Right. Um, and, you, you, and it's a passion is now going to be one of those um, words that people just are going to love to hate on, right? Because mm -hmm. the way it's positioned is like, yeah, that, that's that's stupid, that's not realistic, or whatever the case is. And as you read into the story, it really isn't about this thing that you just kind of walk up and it's been there your whole life, or you're like, oh, this is it, and now it's a, it's a career path. It really is about the developing part of it, which Jeremy and I talk about with Joy Venture. But you've made a conscious decision to have passion in your new seal, and yes. it's fueled by passion. And so I'm just curious on your take of what you mean here at um especially now it's the timing of all this it's just it's I, I just see a lot of slings and arrows at this idea of passion right um J jeremy and i talk about it yeah you ha you kind of have to have a passion we have a passion for what we do um we translate that a little bit differently into something uh, into joy which is different from happiness so i'm just curious in your perspective of what you mean here by fueled by passion yeah, it's interesting, too, like watching the commentary lately, because we've been working on this rebrand for about two years. Yeah, right. And it all started to like come to a head right as we were getting ready to launch it, <laughs> right, which is right. really interesting. And we like being the rebels, so it was good. <laughs> um, but 
What we mean is when we meet a st- when we meet prospective students, they all have unique passions, and they many times aren't art related. You know, they have a passion for art. Obviously, they wouldn't be here. But sometimes they have passions for other really unique things. You know, one of our just recent graduates uh, plays bluegrass music and is really great at it and has found ways to incorporate that culture into his work and into his style. And so that's more of what we're talking about is, you know, taking those things that you're uniquely passionate about, making those a part of who you are as a designer and using that as a way to differentiate yourself um, and to enjoy what you're doing. You know, just because, you know, a lot of students too will come in and say, you know, I love all types of art but I'm not sure which one I want to pursue. You know, I'm, I love music and I love design, but I got, I've got to pick one, you know, and our first inclination is no, like don't pick one, pick them both, you know, find ways to incorporate music into your, your career. You know, here's a graduate who's a motion designer who writes all of his own scores and, and does that on the side for other designers. And, and so that's really what our motto is about is not sort of, kind of pushing those other passions to the background while you're becoming an artist. It's like, no, make that who you are um, and then learn how to incorporate that into your work. Um, And it just creates a more fulfilling life and and makes you more interesting and unique. Yeah. And and I think one of the things that you do to do that for a student at your school is that they may come here for design, but they need to learn how to use a camera. Yeah, exactly. They may have come here for illustration, but they need to learn about branding and logo design. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I love is that you're multidisciplinary. And even uh, even if you came here for design, you have a photo class, you have a brand new studio you guys just built, um, and you're learning it. Even if it doesn't become part of your career path, you at least understand how it works and how lighting works and how f-stops work and the shutter speed and and then if you want to go deeper you can but that's one of the things i like is that you know when people think of a small design school you would think of something where like the kids come in one one end it's kind of like a sausage grinder and everybody comes out a big mess on the other side but that's not how it is it's you guys you do have an opportunity to tailor the the field of study and go deeper in certain things here than than what even a bigger school would allow And the interesting thing, that whole concept was really born during the recession um, because we work with employers really closely. And they came to us and said, my budgets are cut and I'm not, I can't have as many designers on staff. So I need you to educate students with as many skills as possible. That's basically what we were hearing. You know, if they can shoot a little photography, if they know a little code, if they can do all these things. And, you know, we come back and we're like, is this even possible? Like, I don't even know if we can do this. And so we put together, we call, in the beginning, we called it the hybrid concept. So we called them hybrid designers. And they were kind of the mix between print and digital and web. And we graduated that first class and they could completely handle the curriculum. I mean, these are digital natives now. We're not, you know, teaching technology from scratch. They've got that. Um, So it was totally doable. And then that really became who we are now. Um, I think we continually struggle to fit as much in as we would like. You know, just the industry keeps evolving and keeps expanding and we keep hearing, well, now you should really teach this and now you should really teach that. And so, uh, there is some thoughts on creating some concentrations maybe in the second year that allow them to dive a little deeper into one area. Um, but we employers love and we love the fact that, like what you're saying, you know, even if, you know, we teach code and even if you're not going to be a developer, right, you at least can talk to a developer. You understand what they're going to do and you understand when you're designing that, yeah, that could be done, or that's going to be really hard to do, and we don't have the budget to do that. Um, that's what we're trying to do. You know, we don't expect that every student's going to be a photographer, but like Jeremy said, they all know how to use a camera professionally. Um, so if you do need to do some shots, uh, you can do it. So we just want them to be, we want the students to be as well-rounded as possible when they graduate. How often do you use Jessica's story? Not the modern story, but Jessica's story to to help people think bigger and broader about what this experience is all about. And the, the reason I'm asking is I could see parents getting excited at the fact that 
she went to design school, but she's now the president of the, the president of a school, and she's da da da. And then I can see you having that same conversation with a student. Say, are you are you going to be comfortable not doing design in fifteen years and doing something totally different? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how your art. Do you leverage your story in in different ways to meet people's different needs and 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 challenge them to think about what is this experience really going to be like? We do. Um, I think we're doing it more now than we ever have. I think I have, for probably the first 10 years that I was president, I focused mostly on the college. And now I'm starting to reflect more on my own personal story. And and Heather Zeringer, our new marketing director, um, is convincing me that my story is worth telling. Um, I do use my story quite a bit at our open house events, especially when I meet with parents, because I don't, you know, for them to look at me and think, okay, she was just like my kid 20 years ago, but now she's doing that. You know, how did that happen? And could my child do that? I think is a really interesting conversation to have. Um, I'm also, we've been talking a lot about lately, I'm a first-generation college student, and there's a lot of first-generation college students right now that are hitting campuses and hitting our campus, um, and they have a lot of questions, and I totally understand that. You know, I, I think that you know, just the first-generation college student piece, I think that's part of the reason why my parents were so supportive in the beginning is they didn't really know what to expect, right? They didn't, they didn't go to a traditional college and expect me to go to a traditional college. They were open-minded, you know, and I was a pretty independent kid. So they knew that if I was making a decision, it was probably a good one because I usually made pretty decent decisions. But, um, yeah, so I, th- I think it's I think it's probably more important for me to share my story now than it ever has been. Um, I just need to think about it more. Yeah. I think the reason I ask is your story is undeniable. It's it's a work of nonfiction, right? Um, We know that every institution, every brand, every whatever has a story as well, but everybody knows that's a marketing story. And so we, we... the cynic in all of us, whether it's strong or subtle, is that, but what aren't you telling me, right? Mm-hmm. What aren't you telling me? Where, where's the catch? Where's the, you know, you know, when are you going to hit me with the price tag? Or wh- whatever the thing is, your story's undeniable. And that's something, just hearing your, um, your journey is every bit as compelling as the journey of the school. But I think as consumers of I'm, I'm going to engage in um, a transaction here, your job is always to put the best face on that, right? And the cynics in us are always saying, okay, but, but I, I think that's what's so uh, endearing about your story is that it, it, it sort of bucks that, that, um, antithesis of what we may think the story should be you've kind of flipped it on its head and it and it it works not only for kids who are coming in but for parents who um are skeptical um the thing that i'm enjoying about your space your new space is that and and we talk about this all the time about is is college a a two, in your case, moving to four, a four-year retreat from the world or a four-year engagement with it. And what I like about what you've done here is this looks like a modern workplace, not an institution, right? So we're in your library. It feels like what I would find in in a mid to large um, design shop. This is this is yep. the kind of space coming here and concentrating on what you're doing is when you transition to work. It's not classroom. It's like oh, I'm just moving from this studio space that was learning and experiential to a another uh, space that's learning and experiential, and which I get paid for. Right? It's, I'm so but glad I, you I can see that. easily <laughs> see. I can easily see the transition of there's a there's a a really good argument to be made that this shouldn't look like school, this should look like work. And it does look like the environments in which your graduates will find themselves in. 
even beyond that, um, right now, I don't know if we have any classes in session right now, but even when they are in the classroom, so our classes range from about 15 to 20 students, and the instructor is typically someone from the industry that's basically their art director, right? So they're working on projects with an instructor, instructors meeting with them daily, giving them feedback on the projects, kind of guiding them through it. And so even beyond the physical space, because we did that deliberately of making this look like the workplace, um, also that relationship that they develop with the instructor of getting feedback and, and working towards a result that they both are happy with is what we think they'll encounter with their art director on their first job. So it's all very intentional that while it's an educational institution, it's a really smooth transition then right into that first full-time job. Yeah. So awesome. I'm glad you see that. Thanks. Don't know if this is the right time to ask this question, but in that spirit of never stop discovering and perhaps maybe in your case challenging of what's next, um, this is this is a mighty big what next that you're doing right now. But what's that? You can't rest on this, right? There's um, you know, we've got to keep growing, keep challenging ourselves. What's that next? I don't know if I can do it challenge that's that you see on the horizon so i think there's two uh the first one is definitely offering our first bachelor's degree because a lot of change comes with that um to be an instructor in a bachelor's degree program you have to have at least a master's degree so some of our current instructors will be teaching in that new program, but we are hiring quite a few new instructors to teach in that program. So they'll be assimilating to our culture and, and um, bringing new ideas. Um, and so that will be challenging. Um, we will also have students for a longer period of time. And I think students in our bachelor's program will be here for a lot of different reasons. Um, and they're gonna be, an entirely new group of students for us. So I think that that is going to bring a lot of exciting challenges um, to all of us. Um, we're also looking to offer student housing in the near future, um, which is another construction project like we just <laughs> completed. Um, but you know, making the commitment to house your students is on an entirely different level than just educating them. Mm -hmm. um, it's a 24 hour a day job, which I would consider education one too, but this is just on a little bit different level. Sure. Um, and a different amount of responsibility for your students. Um, so we are going to take that very seriously and plan very well for that, but that's definitely on the horizon. Um, I also think that we're gonna be looking at new programs in the future. Um, I think especially now that we'll have this completion bachelor's program, there may be other areas of the industry that we want to offer a similar type program to allow greater amount of study in a specific um, area. And that could be further into web development or into animation and motion design or even further into video, some of the areas that are in really high demand or UI UX. Um, so I think that those are really gonna challenge us. Um, beyond that, as if that's um, not, as if that's not big enough. Right? Yeah, if that's not big enough, um, we get a lot of questions about whether we would consider opening a location in another market, mm -hmm. um, and we go back and forth on that. Um, we love the size of our institution. Uh, we never plan to be thousands and thousands of students, but. If I found someone who was as passionate as I am and had an extremely high level of integrity and knowledge about the industry and they were in the right market, um, I would be willing to experiment, yeah. right? So I think that will be probably, if you wanna talk about really push yourself over the edge for us, yeah. I would say that's probably the big one. We have absolutely no plans to do that right now. Sure. Uh, but I can't say, you know, I, and I'm always looking for that person, honestly. You know, when I'm at a conference and I meet someone that I think, wow. <laughs> you know, my first inclination is, 
could they be an instructor? You know, would they be willing to relocate and come here? But some are so well established in their market, I wouldn't want them to leave. So yeah, it's exciting. Thanks to Jessica for taking the time to share her story with us. For more information about what's happening at the Modern College of Design, you can visit them at themoderncollegeofdesign.com. If you like what you're hearing on the Joy Venture Podcast, we'd love to know about it. And like it even more if you'd share it with others. Head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play to like and follow us. And by writing a review, you'll be helping those who are looking to discover their joy discover this podcast. To hear more podcasts or read posts that are meant to nudge the dreamer in all of us to become the doer we were meant to be, visit us at joyventure.net. If you've discovered your joy but feel stuck on how to best develop it, know that this is what we do best, and we'd love to partner with you. Send us a note through our website, and we'll talk. Until next time, remember, never stop discovering. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.